0: Hey folks, welcome to Leader Talk. My name is John Wayne Troxell, 38-year Army veteran, former senior enlisted advisor to the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and welcome to the show today. We have a very important topic we're talking about today, the Israeli war, and I want to give you my take on it and where I think we're going to go in the future here and what uh, the potential this has to broadening beyond the country of Israel. So then we all know on the 7th of October, Hamas designated a terrorist organization by the United Nations and the United States, cut across 15 to 22 sections of the fence of the Gaza Strip into Israel and utilizing things like motorcycles and trucks, but also some asymmetric stuff like gliders that are motorized and everything. They infiltrated, uh, invaded into Israel and began killing Israeli citizens, service members, and anybody to get their hands on. You've heard it on the news, the beheading of babies, the butchering and raping of women, and killing of elderly people, and then the more than hundreds of hostages that they've taken to move back into the Gaza Strip. Uh, But more importantly, they continue with rocket and missile attacks into Israel. They've even done some seaborne stuff into Israel as well. So This was a comprehensive attack. And if you know anything about terrorist organizations now, they're not just good at conducting spectacular attacks that create terror, but they also can do combined arms maneuver and movement, much like motorized infantry units, to get after and attack targets. Why hostages? Anybody that knows anything about terrorists knows that now that they've done the spectacular attack, they're going to fall back into Gaza Strip. They're going to hide in places like hospitals. They're going to hide in tunnels and they're going to use human shields. What better human shields for insidious terrorists than foreigners that they've taken in? including Americans. And during this attack, let there be no doubt that it wasn't just Israelis that were killed. There were well over 30 Americans that were killed, along with other foreigners as well. So this is one of the most spectacular terrorist attacks that has happened since 9-11, certainly in Israel. And let there be no doubt, this might have been Hamas that participated in this and as the war is continuing, other terrorist organizations are involved. But let there be no doubt, Hamas is a proxy for the country of Iran. Iran is the number one state sponsor of terrorism, and they continue to do things to disrupt regional and world order and continue to do things to either conduct malign activities or attacks on United States, our partners and allies, And that includes Israel. So Iran, let there be no doubt, has a hand in this. Now what we have going on in the country here two weeks later is a three-front attack in Israel. Out of the Gaza Strip, Hamas. You also have uh, in the north, Lebanon is doing attacks now as well. And Islamic Jihad, another proxy for the Iranian revolution, is conducting things in the West Bank and also attacks uh, in central Israel. So right now, Israel is on a three-front attack, and it is a proxy war that's going on. But let's not forget that other Iranian proxies are involved as well. It was just a day or two ago that Shia militia groups in Iraq attacked U.S. bases with rockets and the like. And also, the Houthi rebels out of Yemen attempted to fire missiles into Israel. But thank goodness for the United States Navy warships that were in the Bab al mandeb Strait that shot down those missiles. So this is a Iranian effort, proxy war going on now that Israel will have to take on here in the future. So what does the U.S. think about this fight? It was interesting to me, you know, because normally people on the left are all against any kind of warfare. And when it's somebody like Israel or even somebody like our country, automatically they start criticizing them. Because uh, we're seen as these big bad guys that are trying to go after oppressed people like the Palestinians and stuff. When Israel is not going after the Palestinians, they are going after Hamas, the terrorist organization. But it was interesting that in a recent CNN poll, 50% of those polled U.S. citizens felt that Israel was fully justified in the efforts that they were going after to defeat Hamas. 20% were partially justified, with only 8% not justified and 21% unsure that's a pretty outstanding number, especially when it comes from a CNN poll. Now, there are non-supporters out there, and we've seen this in here in our country, on college campuses and everything. Anything that Israel does comes under scrutiny now from folks in, in, in our country. Don't get me wrong, we are all about the First Amendment and everything, but I think some of those folks out there clearly don't understand the threat of Hamas and the influence they have over the Palestinian people, not only in the Gaza Strip, but other areas in Israel. We've all seen the errant rocket that hit a hospital in the Gaza Strip. Most intelligence agencies, in fact, all intelligence agencies in the United States and in Israel, and even video proof, shows that this was an Islamic Jihad rocket that was fired, and it misfired, and instead of hitting its intended target in Israel, it went errant and it hit this hospital, causing hundreds of casualties. But in the end, Israel is being blamed for that. And the United States is being blamed for supporting that. If anybody knows anything about terrorist organizations, they are going to continue whether they did something wrong or not. They will try to put the blame on the adversary for why things are going wrong. So in my next block, we're going to talk about the future and what that looks like. And what does a pending ground assault for the Israelis, what is that going to look like as they go into the Gaza Strip? Stay tuned. Welcome back to Leader Talk. I'm SIAC-retired John Wayne Troxell. We're talking the Israeli war right now. In the previous segment, we talked about the 7 October attack. Well, let's talk about where this fight could go and what could happen in the future here. The last thing anybody wants is a greater Mideast conflict. Now, if you look where Israel is located, they've got Lebanon to the north, they've got Syria to the east, and Jordan to the southeast, and then they've got Egypt in the south. They've had, in previous conflicts, fought each of these nations, certainly with Hezbollah in Lebanon. Uh, they're, they're constantly fighting them. But the worst thing that could happen here is all of a sudden the Arab world gets all behind this conflict because of Israelis' lack of restraint. Now, don't get me wrong. When you invade a country, a sovereign country like Israel... And you murder babies, you rape women and butcher them and everything. Hey, Israel has every right to come back to you and everything. But the last thing we want is for this thing to be a greater Mideast conflict, which it could be. And let there be no doubt that Iran is clearly dedicated to the complete destruction of Israel. And obviously they have some backing, too, with Russia and even potentially China that would help them. But when you look at the enemy Hamas or Hezbollah or Islamic Jihad or any of the others, the Houthi rebels and the Shia militia groups, or you could throw ISIS and any of these Sunni terrorist organizations like Al-Shabaab, Boko Haram and the like. These organizations know one thing. They know violence and they create terror through their violence. And so anybody that has served in combat in Iraq and Afghanistan is not surprised of what Hamas did during this invasion. I saw it in Iraq multiple times. Shallow graves with elementary school kids, hands tied behind their back with their heads chopped off. Iraqi children. And why were they beheaded? Why were they murdered and slaughtered like that? Because they weren't supporting those terrorist organizations like Al-Qaeda in Iraq. This enemy will show no mercy. And so as, as Israel continues to get after defeating Hamas, there's going to be some long days and there's going to be some brutal and unforgiving days coming. And this isn't going to be a days kind of fight. This is going to be a months and potentially years. As anybody knows with Fallujah 1 and 2 in Iraq with the assault on Baghdad, as well as some of the things we did in Afghanistan, in Kandahar province, and in Nuristan and places like that. The Israelis right now are preparing for this ground offensive. They are shaping targets. They are continuing to launch rockets and missiles at strategic level targets. They are continuing to do targeted operations with these missiles and rockets to get after high-value individuals in the Hamas organization. As a matter of fact, they've already killed a couple of high-value individuals. And as they look to enter into the Gaza Strip, they know they're going to be fighting a counterinsurgency because Hamas is going to hide among the population. Obviously they're going to do things with the civilian population to kind of try and get collateral damage with civilian casualties that they can exploit on social media and national media to get people to not support the Israeli offensive. But they are going to have to move in Israel and it's going to be house by house clearance. And as they go in, they will also be using different intelligence apparatus, signals intelligence and others to locate key high value individuals that they can kill or capture as they move in. And as I said before, it's going to be house by house fighting as they go through The other thing is the multiple tunnel networks that Hamas has created from the Gaza Strip into Israel— now think of this. When those Israeli soldiers go into those tunnels to get after Hamas, it'll be tough for them to communicate because they're underground. It will be tough for them to coordinate their efforts because they can't communicate. If there's no power in this tunnel, you can't see your battle buddy on your left or right or front and back. And then lastly, it, it's almost impossible to differentiate through night vision goggles at a distance who is an enemy combatant and who may be a non-combatant. And let there be no doubt, Hamas will be bringing non-combatants into those Tunnels with them as an added human shield and protection that will disrupt or thwart Israeli efforts. And it would not surprise me that out of those hundreds of hostages that have been taken, that Hamas would move some of those or all of them into those tunnels as human shields. So this is the kind of offensive that it's going to look like. Now, this is this exact same blueprint that we used, Fallujah 1 and 2, but also in the clearance of Baghdad at the height of the civil war between the Sunni and Shia in Iraq. And I will tell you, having been present there and a part of that, it was a long, arduous fight. And every day when we would get through clearing house by house into a certain level, those men and women were completely exhausted. So when you talk fighter management of the Israeli force, they're going to have to have a disciplined, protracted approach in their clearance. And certainly their special operations in terms of going after those high value targets are going to be key so that they can maintain momentum and continue to disrupt the efforts of the enemy until they get to their main objective, which is to defeat Hamas. Now, what does that mean for the U.S. in our involvement? Now, we've got hostages there, you know, and I'm not going to shoot a number out that might be false, but there are Americans that are held hostage. We have national mission force assets in the country or in neighboring countries that are prepared to go in and rescue these hostages. How that will look, I don't know, or if it will happen, I don't know. But we are already preparing to to get our hostages out. Now, the other way the U.S. may get involved, I mentioned earlier in the earlier segment that you have the Shia militia groups in Iraq that are firing missiles and rockets at our troops in Syria and Iraq. If all of a sudden U.S. service members start becoming killed in action and we start losing troops, I think this administration and our commander-in-chief is going to have to make a decision on what we do to preserve American lives. In Troxel's opinion, I think we're moving a little slow in terms of what we could be doing to get our hostages out. Hopefully that will change once the Israeli ground assault starts. But let there be no doubt, if all of a sudden something happens and we start losing American troops... It could be a game changer in terms of our involvement, and it could be a game changer if we get further involved what it means for a greater Mideast conflict. And don't forget, the Russian bear, although pinned down and getting its nose bloodied in Ukraine, and Vladimir Putin continuing to have his radical sentiment and everything about what's going on and how he's going to save the world, he is going to find a way to insert his influence with Iran and certainly these terrorist organizations that will keep us occupied so that, in his mind, we may be taking a eye off the ball in Ukraine, and he could do something spectacular there to turn the tide from this stalemate that it currently is into an effort that will give him the upper edge. So we'll see how that goes in the future. All right, in the next segment, I'm going to talk about the bottom line and what it means. And then we're also going to give our weekly warrior shout out coming up. Stay tuned. Hey folks, welcome back to Leader Talk, to our third and final segment here. We're talking about the Israeli war, and I'm going to hit you with what I think is the bottom line. First and foremost, the Israelis are going to fight to the death. The Israelis see this as an existential threat, and the, a bigger threat that they have not seen since the Holocaust, if you listen to their leaders. Their president, Netanyahu, even sent a message that they are not going to stop until they eliminate the the accursed enemy, off of this planet. He's not talking about the Palestinian people. He is talking about Hamas, the terrorist organization. And you can throw in there Hezbollah and Islamic Jihad, any others that might be associated with this. And if Iran wants to get involved, I guarantee you the Israelis will bloody their nose as well. So this is an existential threat. So the Israelis are going to continue to get after it. Now, will they have a measured approach? Probably because uh, Netanyahu has already received a little bit of pressure about using restraint from President Biden and others. Now, the other thing to think about these terror networks now is that Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. There are hundreds of thousands of Palestinians. There's over a million Palestinian people that live in Israel Israel right now, and I've seen them firsthand in my multiple trips into Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, and other areas there. They live there and they're peaceful. When the message from the Israelis said, get out now before the ground offensive, hundreds of thousands of Palestinians left. Now, Hamas is starting to stop people from leaving because they know that if they lose a the popular kind of uh, aspect of this fight, then they're going to lose the whole fight and they may be eliminated off the earth. So Hamas is going to continue to do the things necessary to disrupt the Israelis, inflict pain not only on the Israeli military, but Israeli citizens and look to rally international support for their cause. And the bottom line, Iran, Russia, and even China are going to look, obviously Iran is deeply involved in this, But Russia and China are going to look for ways that they can continue to influence this fight that will cause harm not only to the Israelis, but also potentially impose costs on the United States and Israel below the threshold of conflict. So we're going to have to see how this goes in the future. But what we need now as the United States of America... Is we need strong messaging. If integrated deterrence is what we're all about, the key thing about deterrence is sending strong messages to Iran, to these terrorist organizations, that we're not going to tolerate this kind of behavior, and that if they continue with that, then we will help them meet their maker. Messages like don't and be careful, Iranians and these terrorist organizations don't understand that. We need stronger messaging, but more importantly, we need stronger sanctions, and we need stronger efforts that will allow the Israelis to have competitive advantages, but more importantly, will disrupt this terror network in Iran, the number one state sponsor of terrorism across the globe. So that's my take on the Israeli fight. I will continue to support the Israeli military and Israeli citizens after they get after it. Uh, I will continue to support those innocent Palestinian citizens that could be victims of Hamas, but more importantly, could end up collateral damage here. But the bottom line is Israel didn't start this fight. Hamas started this fight. And I guarantee you, Israel's looking to finish it. So that's it for the Israeli war. Thanks again for tuning in here. But Before we get out of here, though, I've got a new segment on our show, our show that I want to start showing, and it's called Warrior Shoutout. The Warrior Shoutout this week goes to someone I know very well. 1st Sergeant Chris Bagwell, assigned in Fort Huachuca, Arizona. I was just in Fort Huachuca this week, and I ran into Chris, and it was the first time I had seen him in years. Uh, He was a soldier and an NCO in my striker brigade during the surge in Iraq. He was a young sergeant leading his fire team of three soldiers every day in some of the most dangerous areas in Baghdad and in Mukdadia and Bakuba in the Dayala province. And on the 18th of September, 2007, Sergeant Chris Bagwell then was leading his four-man team on a combat patrol. They were attacked by a suicide bomber. And out of Chris Bagwell's fire team, three of his soldiers were killed. He was the only one that survived. And to this day, it's still something that's always on his mind and something that's always on my mind. And when I went to see Chris in the hospital after this attack, and I had a conversation with him, and I said, look, I know you're hurting. I know this has been the worst day of your life, but we need your leadership. We need your expertise, and we need you to get out and get back after the enemy and continue to be this phenomenal leader that you've been so far. The three men that died that day on the 18th of September, 2007, would want you to do that. And he went out and he continued the mission, and he continued to get after it. And here he is, a first sergeant, still serving in the United States Army, giving back. So our warrior shout-out today goes to a phenomenal NCO and a phenomenal American, First Sergeant Chris Bagwell. We love you. And our thoughts and prayers go out to the three men that were killed that day, Joseph Landry, Nicholas Olson, and Donald Valentine, the three men that were a part of Chris's fire team that day. God bless their families we will never forget the sacrifices that these three soldiers gave and all service members who have made the ultimate sacrifice. So God bless them. And that's it for Leader Talk today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned next time. And if you like us, start following and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Leader Talk, and my other platforms. We've got more exciting shows coming up in the future. So God bless you all. God bless our troops. But more importantly, God bless America. Thank you. Boom.